dig this. You can save all the gimmicks. In 86, the intro, you are finally listening to an unscripted podcast like no other, The Crow Show. Today is March 1st, 2022. You're now listening to The Crow Show. I'm your host, Torch the Poet. And I have as my very special guest as I, as I come back with the vengeance. I'm back to the world of podcasting with the vengeance. I have the one and only Pixie, who is not only my mentor when it comes to Twitter spaces, especially, but she is the bomb when it comes to creating spicy content. So with that being said, Miss Pixie, how are you today? Fantastic, Torch. Uh, even with all of our ups and downs, aren't we? <laughs> I know like those curveballs you gotta stand up at that plate knock off the ballpark so <laughs> <laughs> um, I know quite a bit about you because you and I have a, a great friendship a great relationship off the microphone uh, but for the listeners and for your fans give us a little bit of a backdrop as to just who Pixie is if you don't mind So my name is Pixie. I am the host of Next On Stage One, which happens to be an adult entertainment nightlife with with, uh, strippers that were podcasters. Oh, oh gosh, I messed that up. (laughs) Sorry. With uh, adult entertainers who went from pole to podcasters. I have 23 years in the adult industry, and my co-host, him and I combined, we have more than 40 years together and we talk all kinds of drama and stories like I got hit with a chair once in the strip club Uh, I've been fishing for dollars I've had a lot of fun in the strip club through my 23 years as an adult entertainer and that's what I've been doing and since I started podcasting I started reaching out and helping people and building the community around me. And that's how I found Torch. I found him on Twitter Spaces, and as soon as I heard that voice, that golden fucking voice, I was like, (laughs) this motherfucker needs to, people need to hear who this is. And so a fast friendship was bonded, and you Torch has my phone number, my personal number. And when he asked me to jump here on his podcast, I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's been a very long time coming, uh, very long time coming. Of course, you know, I, I took a bit of a hiatus uh, mm-hmm. from the world of podcasting to focus more on Twitter spaces, uh, building up more of, a, of an organic following and just really homing in, homing in, pardon me, on um, the craft of. I don't want to just minimalize it by saying podcasting, but just having uh, un- unscripted, unrestricted conversations with people. And as you mentioned, you and I, we, we've just had many conversations off, off the microphone. Um, and there's things I know about you that I think many people don't know about you. Um, so there were three things that if, you know, one of your fans, one of your listeners, what have you, came up and said, Pixie, what, uh, three things about yourself that I don't know, what would those three things be? Well, uh, the first would be that I owned a toy store. The second would be I got engaged at a gun range. And the third one is I've been stabbed before. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I'm quite sure your, 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 your listeners, your fans, uh, supporters, uh, I'm quite sure that hearing that, I'm sure there's some jaws that are still wide open right now. Drop well, you, have you. <laughs> yeah, well, the jaw drops when you hear 23 years. The jaw drops mm-hmm. when you hear Pixie owned a toy store. Uh, the jaw drops is why did you get... Uh, Mar- uh, get engaged at a gun range. That's such an odd place. Um, did she say that she got stabbed in the right. arm? You know, right. those are it, it, you. Those things usually don't go together mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> and before we dive into the you being stabbed, uh, I, I need to hear more about the, the shotgun engagement. You know, I heard of a <laughs> shotgun wedding, <laughs> but the shotgun engagement—that for me is. 
that's a that's love uh, in a whole different realm. So please clue me in on that. So that do, it does come from a place of love. Um, I am a big advocate for women to make sure that they can protect themselves. For women to make sure that they, if they are able to get a firearm, which I believe that if you want one, you should have access to it. You know, everybody should be able to protect themselves. And with that comes is that you need to have training. You need to be able to use that tool, because that's what it is, to accurately hit the mark. And if you're not out there training early and often and putting the rounds down, uh, you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you have to use it and you get fearful when you go to use it. So I'm a big advocate of training early, training often. I've been a firearms enthusiast since I was little. I used to go hunting with my father. Um, me and my husband, we go to the range almost almost all the time. We're, we're always out there. We're always practicing. We're always cleaning. We're always making sure we take the time for maintenance on a skill with a tool that we use that I carry one in the house. Um, I'm, I'm very protective of myself and my family. And one time we went to the range. <laughs> I've been to the range several times, you know. And I had my daughter with me. She's, she's also one that enjoys, you know, taking the, learning the craft as well. And I wasn't expecting it, but there we are. We're having a great day. We made a whole day of it. We, me and my, he was my fiance at the time. We're down at the range with my daughter. We're, we're, we're just unloading and we're just having a great time. And when we pack up, we, we go to get into the car and my husband goes, what's that over there? I go, I don't know. He goes, can you just, can you just sit over here by this, uh, this fence? And I didn't realize it at the time, but my daughter had her phone out because she was in cahoots with my husband. And, <laughs> and, and he got down on one knee and proposed to me at a gun range. And it was, it was very sweet and very on point and on brand of who I am. And I, I really took it, took it to heart because the reason why I had the particular gun and I was doing so much training ties into being stabbed in the arm. Now, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, it's kind, it's kind of, it's kind of scary. Uh, the the story is almost more than six years ago. Um, I was living with my fiance, and I was going over to my mom's house, and. And I'm at my mom's house cleaning up a spare bedroom and add a whole bunch of my junk. And I wanted to make sure that my mom got her junk, my junk out of her house so she could, you know, have her house. But my brother, who, uh, let's just say he's probably notorious around the city and he's not a, he's not a stand-up individual. He's, he stabbed somebody before me who happened to be... My my oldest child's real father. He stabbed him when I was when I was young, when I was like seventeen, <laughs> and um, he, so he's been in and out of jail and has had a lot of issues with him. Well, I'm at my mom's house and I'm pulling stuff out, and it's about noon, and my brother slumbers awake, and you could hear him, you know, starting to. Uh, become very vocal. Hey, leave some of that, leave that stuff alone. That's my stuff in there. You know, don't you be touching my stuff. And I said, look, I'm trying to get my stuff out of this room. I'm not touching your stuff. I'm getting it out of here so mom can have her space. Yeah. And he gets very verbal with me. Like, you know, how dare you touch? He's like, he's coming down the hallway towards the room. And he is just, don't touch that. Don't touch that. This isn't yours. Why are you in this? And being very accusatory 
of me. Like it's it's noon and he just woke up. So I just woke up the bear. And th this guy is probably 105 pounds soaking wet. You know, he's not a very big guy. He's 5'7", uh, streaky blonde hair, looks kind of like a goblin, if I could explain it to anybody. Now, at the time, I wasn't very big either. I was probably about 115 pounds, 5 foot, red hair. You know, it was a sizable matchup between the two of us. <laughs> and and he starts he starts really going on at me. He's all like, "You're can I curse on this show?" <laughs> Absolutely, please do. Absolutely. He's all like, you're, he, he's like, "You're a whore. You're a fucking stripper. You you you're a prostitute. You take money." And as soon as he starts in on me like that, my mouth gets to run. So I'm like, "Fuck you, you crackhead. <laughs> you, you dirty mouth fucking breather. I know that you're on meth." <laughs> And we just, kick, kick, kick. we just like verbally get to blows. And my mom is like, she's just standing there like, you need to stop, stop. And she's like, she's not really putting in an effort, but she, she doesn't want to get between the two of us. <laughs> my, my brother cocks back his arm and he just knocks me in the mouth. And he knocks out my, the, the other tooth that got knocked out. <laughs> Because this is, this is, you know, I, I've had, my front teeth are fake, guys. <laughs> I talk about that all the time. And so this is the other story. Yeah, he, he knocks me in the mouth. And, I, and I'm, I'm throwing blows. And me and my brother have always thrown blows. We have thrown blows to little. We have thrown blows since... Uh, to remember when I, when I was little, um, and we threw blows when when my when my brother stabbed uh, my son's father. You know, in high school we threw blows. In middle school we threw blows like like if we absolutely hated each other because we did. And so here I am. I'm I'm swing I'm swinging and he's swinging. And my mom's, she's got her hands up. No, stop! You gotta, gotta stop! And and we're not listening to her because we don't, we don't care. We're we're in it to win it. He walks down the hall. He walks away from me down the hallway. He goes into his room, and you can hear him digging for something. And my mom's like, "What in the world is going on?" I was like, "He just hit me." You know, he, he he's doing all of this. He's on drugs. I can't believe. I can't believe you're letting him live here and letting him treat people like this. And I could just hear him dig. And so I, I turn around into the room and there's, there's a copious amounts of um, tools and stuff that look like somebody has been probably going to job sites and taking. I'm not gonna say that he did take these right. items, but he didn't have a job. <laughs> so who knows where these <laughs> these items have came from i reached down and i grabbed one of those blue um jack handles from from a two pound jack uh two ton wow. jack the blue wow. ones and i got that and i've got it down next to my side i said don't worry mom i don't know what he's doing but i am done with this and i can she's out in the hallway and she looks up and she sees my brother coming down the highway down the hallway and she goes knife I step in front of my mother I said you need to get back and he and he I put my arm up he stabs me in the arm and I clock him in the head with the jack handle I'm bleeding he pushes me back into the room I clock him again I clocked this motherfucker twice in his it up in that that top fucking left side of his head i was not going to allow him to do what he what he was going to do he pushed me all the way back i fell back into this massive amount of junk that's in this room i don't know what's back there i got my feet right on his fucking chest and i'm holding him as bay as he's slicing at me with a knife i 
I don't know what kind of knife he has. I don't know where he got. I know where he got it from. He got it from his fucking room. I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna make it out. I'm freaking out. Um, there's blood basically dripping on me from from my brother's face. It's just like his whole face is covered in blood, and it's just like he's angry, and it's dripping, and it's dripping down everywhere. And my mom's all like, "You gotta stop. You gotta stop." And finally. Uh, for some odd reason, he just stopped. He stopped. He backed up. He dropped. He, I don't know if he dropped the knife there or if he dropped the knife um, heading up. But he did. As he just went straight out the front door and then straight down the street. And I, I got up. And my mom's like, what are we going to do? And I said, Mom. We're gonna go to the hospital. She's all like, "There's blood. There's blood everywhere. What are we gonna do? What the fuck do you think we're gonna do?" I grab a pair of leggings and I wrap them around my arm and I put them up over my head. I said, "Grab your fucking keys because you're gonna drive me to the hospital." Yeah. Because I I got blood I, bleeding from my arm. I'm gonna need stitches. I didn't. I didn't. I was very lucky in that moment that I didn't get more stabbed because he was he was physically going after me. And she she drove me there. I called my father and I said, hey, Newman stabbed me. My phone's going to die. Can you call my fiance and let him know what's going on? And he's like, he's like, are you OK? Because he couldn't really understand what I was saying. I was like, I'm going to the hospital. Stab me. That's what I said. And my dad's all like, well, do you want me to get the gun? I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want you to be safe. Because my, my, my brother wasn't the nicest of person, not only to me, but to those around him. He never put, physically put his hands on my mom. But... You know, she was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> so we get to the hospital and I sign in. I got the, the yoga pants around my arm and the lady, she's doing my intake. I give her my ID. I tell her my name. I tell her what happened. Um, they, they get me into a room. They, they call the police because they, you know, at that point, we, I, I didn't call the police. I was like, I'm just taking care of fucking business. I got stabbed. Right. <laughs> I, I got more things to do than wait around at my mom's house bleeding. So I'm there at the hospital. Um, they come in. They talk to me. They get they get my, my initial side of the thing. My mom's freaking out. She's like, what do we tell them? I was like, we fucking tell them the truth. Yeah. Hell we yeah. tell them... You tell the truth when something like that happens. Yeah. You don't. Absolutely. You don't candy coat it. You don't. You tell them like exactly what you saw in that moment. Exactly. So, so here we are. You know, the police officer. He talks to me on on my own by myself, and then he goes to talk to my mom on her own by herself, and then he comes back into the room and says, "Do you know so and so?" I go, "Yeah, that's my brother." Well, he's at <laughs> he's at the sheriff's station, and would you mind coming down to the to the sheriff's station and giving a full report? I go absolutely not. I'll come down and I'll fill out a report. Cool. So let's get you stitched up, and then um, do you think your mom can can drive you to the station, and then both of you guys fill out a full report? Absolutely. I get. I get stitched up. I get a tetanus shot because who knows what kind of knife he used on me, right? So mm -hmm. we get we get down to the stair station, and and we're down. Um, we're through where they where they bring in the criminals, right? Mm -hmm. We're not we're not walking through the main entrance because it's late at night, and so we walk in. And you see their receptionist, and he looks up at the police officer and goes, "Is that her?" And and the police officer goes, "Yeah, that's that's her." And he goes, "That's her. That's her brother. That's over there." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, that's 
That's exactly, that's her <laughs> who did all of this damage to this guy. And, and as I'm walking forward, I can see my brother on one of those concrete slabs. He's handcuffed and he's, he's got, he's, he's still bloody and he yeah. is just rocking back and forth like a maniac. Just like, just, you can just see it in his eyes how just absolutely angry and just mad at me for what what was going on and still my and still my mom was all like what do we do what do we do i was like you fucking tell the truth so we get up there um they take intake pictures of my arm intake pictures of my face uh my clothing everything that happened right um and then they they set us down individually and they talk to us I tell them the whole story, run through everything. My mom does the same. They come back and they and they show us the knife that my brother used. It was one of those a big butcher knives that you find in the kitchen. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't very cleanliness, I can tell you. I can tell you that thank goodness I got a tetanus shot because it was probably pretty gross. Uh, they showed it to us. Um they went through his side of the story, and basically, he told he told the police officers that um, what happened is he was sitting on the couch watching his cartoons in the living room, and he was cooking a pot of ramen noodle soup on the stove, and that's when I came over, and that I was getting into his stuff, and that I was being very verbally abusive to him and that I was the one that attacked him first. And so, oh. so when he, when he told this story and then they collaborated between me and my mother, well, they also went into the house they found no pot of soup. They found no TV on, you know, they, they didn't find any of that stuff after he had stabbed me and ran away. <laughs> I'm going to call it that. He, yeah. he went to the fire station and pounded on their door and said that he was attacked by me. And it was a crazy fucking story. Because at this whole time, in the background, my dad's trying to get a hold of my, my fiancé. And my fiancé, like, there's, there's a huge miscommunication that was going on um, because my sister was able to get a hold of my fiance and my fiance thought that Newman oh so oops sorry better mark that time that my <laughs> that my brother had killed me so he he was concerned about what happened and like I didn't see him until I got home like he was legitimately scared and worried that he had lost me due to my brother and the way that he acted. Well, I decided it, when I was still there at the police police station that that I wasn't going to press charges. That I said, "Hey, I really want him to get mental health because he yeah. needs help. He yeah. he needs something." He can't just be thrown it back into the prison system because it didn't work the first time. Obviously, right. it didn't fucking work the first time. And I, I pleaded with him. I was like, I'm only signing papers to make sure that he gets the help. And they said, well, we can't give him any help that he doesn't want. And the state decided to prosecute him. I didn't prosecute. You know, I didn't, I didn't take the steps. But the state did. And he ended up with um, five years, which got reduced to three. So during yeah. that time, my father dies. And then I get married. And I'm, you know, I, I, bought, I bought the gun because when um, the state says, hey, you have a restraining order against this person, we're going to let you know when this person gets out. Well, come to find out that he had been being released on good uh, work release. He was doing work release. But the place, the halfway house where he was staying was no more than 20 minutes 
from my house. Oh, shit. Which is, my mom only lives 15 minutes from my house. So the distance was very, very shallow. So hearing that noise, hearing everything, I went straight to to the courthouse. I made sure that my address was correct, that every every inch of that paperwork was correct through the victim's advocate. I was like, here it is. I want to make sure that I have it. I want to make sure that everything is going to be in place. Two weeks later, I see him riding a little BMX bike. I'm standing out in the middle of my, my house. I see him. He rolls up, rolls right past me, turns around, rides through four lanes of traffic and just rolls off. And I am freaked out. I have no idea why he's out, why, what he's doing. Because I told them, the victim's advocate, I was like, if he gets out, he's going to hurt somebody. And it's either going to be me or somebody else that's in my mom's, my mom's house. Because she's too nice, too forgiving kind of thing. And so at that point, I realized that a piece of paper wasn't going to protect me. Now, I've had guns before and everything, but it was during Christmas, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to buy myself something that is actually going to do me at least some sort of safety. I have, I have dogs, but most of the time I'm working late. Uh, I'm working at the strip club. I'm doing... I'm doing all of these different things and I'm not paying attention to my surroundings. So when this happened, I immediately went into the house. I called my husband. I called my other brother and I was like, look, I'm not safe. The state didn't want to do anything. The police said that there's nothing that they can do because then it's, it's hearsay, right? It's my word versus his that I saw him. You know, and right then and there, I knew that that piece of paper, he wasn't going to follow those instructions. He wasn't going to be like, oh, oh, I can't go there because she has a piece of paper. So I decided that I was going to go to the range. I was going to make sure that I was prepared for the next encounter that I was going to have with him. Luckily, I didn't have that encounter. Somebody else did. Not even i think it was it was not even 3 months later after he was released at my mother's house during the day um he was having a party at my mom's house sort of like a, a mutual get together of scummy individuals of of the city you know it was a, it was a group gathering and there was a copious amounts of drugs being done. Um, my, my brother ended up stabbing an individual, killing him at my mom's house, and then turning the knife on himself and killing himself. But he didn't die at my mom's house. He died in jail. How did you feel? What, what, what came over? So I was at the strip club when I heard when I heard something of the news, I didn't know what happened. So my, my brother from another mother, he calls me up at work and he's like, hey, Pixie, um, something's going on at mom's address and I don't know what's going on. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, mom's address is on, on the news. Here I am, it's, it's already it's already eight o'clock at night and I'm well into my shift. So I can't leave just willy nilly at a, at a time. And so here I am like, all right, well, I, I know that my brother's out and I know that, that the house isn't far from my mother's. So I say, okay, brother, uh, let me call you back. Let me make sure that my home situation is locked down. I call my husband. And he doesn't answer, so I flip out. So I call my my oldest child and I tell him, hey, can you make sure the front door is locked and that everybody's inside the house? And he's all like, yeah, why? 
I was like, I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about it. I go through my whole shift not knowing what's going on. The next day, I contact my sister, and she says, oh, um, Newman, oh, there I go again. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to have to say it. My, my brother's uh, real name is Newman, like uh, the Seinfeld character. Hello, Newman. <laughs> so he's already, in my mind, just this terrible individual, right? And then he has a terrible name. So I keep slipping up. So whatever. And, and so she goes, Newman's in jail. Well, I didn't know that he had died. All I mm. knew is that he had, he had killed somebody at my mom's house. That's all I knew. What I knew was like the bare minimum. Only because my sister said he's in jail and he's in jail for, for this. But she didn't want to give me like the meat and potatoes of what happened. What turned out is she didn't know what happened. So that that following day, I'm hanging out with my daughter here at my house and the police come and knock on the door. I was like, well, that's odd. I didn't I know I didn't do anything wrong this time. <laughs> they go, can, can we come in? And I was like, yeah, sure. Sure, whatever. I, I got nothing to hide. Sure, and come in. They explain that they have a that they're looking they're looking for my father, and they need to um, that this is a grief counselor. I said, well, my father's been dead for for years now, and I live here in this house, and and I'm his daughter. And they go, well, do you know Newman? I said, yeah, that's that's my brother. And they go, well, if you wouldn't mind, we'd like to talk to you. I was like, yeah, sure. And they go, we're deeply sorry to have to inform you this, but Newman is dead. Oh, it's like, well, I must inform you that I have a restraining order against him for him. And I show, show him the, my arm and tell, tell, briefly tell him the story and that I wasn't, you know, that I wasn't, wasn't sad about it. <laughs> um, at that point, I was like, you know, I, I did ask them, I said, I said, what happened? And they go, well, we can't give you much, but we can tell you that um, there was an altercation at the house and a certain person died. We can't release, we can't release that name to you. Um, but during that altercation, um, there, there was some drugs that were in, intaked and that um, there was a knife wound to uh, Newman's midsection and that he, that he died in jail. I was like, okay, good to know because that kind of ended the whole, uh, the whole reign of terror. It ended a lot of it. And it was kind of, it was kind of refreshing, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't completely over. And my mom, she was beside herself, of course, because my brother was her favorite child. I'm the middle child, so not everything, you know, goes my way, ever, <laughs> <laughs> ever, whatever, whatever. And, you know, being the middle child, it's hard on, on the middle child. So, so she was beside herself. She was staying at, I heard from my sister that she was staying at a hotel that that she was fine. Um, she, my mom works all of the time. She never takes any time off. Um, and and when she is home, she was surrounded by. Well, she was letting transients live in her house. She was letting my brother and whoever he wanted to live in her house. Uh, basically, he could do no wrong. And so it it just made it. It made it seem like that the whole altercation between me and my brother has always been my fault. And it was kind of one of those things that even to this day, my mom still blames me for getting stabbed. My mom still blames Damn. me for, yeah, she still blames me for getting into a fight with everything. With, with all of it happening, it could have been avoided if I would have just kept my mouth quiet and stayed away. And it, in my mind, 
it's Man. it's not my fault. It's not my fault that that he chose a different path than I did. That he I chose to be an individual that did not seek help. And when it came to his funeral, if you if you wouldn't mind, I can I can tell you a little bit about that. No, please Cause, do. Because that's do. the that's the crescendo. That's the yeah. I got to I got to know how this ends. How mm -hmm. does Pixie get her um, her closure? My mom and my sister did not want to invite me to the funeral. They said that if I come to the funeral, that I have to keep my mouth shut, that I could not say anything about anything that happened. So nobody knew leading up to the funeral what had happened. He just honest, just died all of a sudden. You know, nobody knows what happened. Yeah. And here I am thinking, I'm going to wear a red dress. I'm going to put makeup on. I am going to be the flashiest peacock there at the funeral. <laughs> because it's a celebration for me at that point. It's, it's one of those moments. It's pivotal that I need to be able to, you know, let this go. Let all of this anger and emotion and everything that has happened to me transpire because of this individual. Now there are other people in my life that have caused me harm, but this was this was the main focus of everything. This was this is the Rome, you know, everything leading back to this individual. And uh, my husband rides his motorcycle to <laughs> to the mortuary. <laughs> I, I drive there. I I decided to go not in a red dress, but you know, just just slacks, you know. I looked business professional. I was okay. clean. I, I I wasn't there to make waves. I was there to consult people that that I loved. Like I was there not because of me, but for the closure and for my mother and for the rest of the family. So I go in. Everybody's in a long line. Everybody's crying. Uh, it, there's a disassociate with me. I'm like. I'm, I'm looking at these people. I'm like, why are you crying? This guy was not a good guy. I couldn't, I couldn't voice these opinions to these people who briefly knew him. You know, I couldn't voice my opinions because I was told to keep my mouth. To keep your mouth, yeah, exactly. keep my mouth shut. You know, I'm get, I'm giving hugs to people. People, uh, certain people like my other brother. He, he knows how how everything went down. Because I was open with him. And he was one of those people that said, you need to take care of yourself. You know, you need to be able to talk about things. And my sister's there, and she's got her lovely two children. Uh, one of them who is autistic, he's, he's a very chatty child and a very positive, outlooking person. And me and him, we're just, we're smiling and having a grand old time. And then her up. Her other child, uh, she's she's very like, okay, I'm here to help everybody. And so there's no tears between these two children. They're just kind of like, oh, Uncle Uncle Newman is, is gone. And I don't think the connection sat in with them. So I'm having a great time. I'm chatting with people. <laughs> I'm talking to I'm talking to this person. I'm giving hugs. I'm making sure, you know my place in line and and as my place in line gets closer to the door where you see you know the person in the coffin wow. yeah you see the body um i'm getting nervous and my my husband he grabs my hand he goes are you gonna be okay i was like yeah because at this moment i i i have things that i need to say i need to see the completion i need to walk through that threshold of knowing that, that this is over, so I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with with my my nephew, and we we get up to the line, and it's my turn to go in. My mom's on the other side of the threshold. She's bawling, you know, big crocodile tears. She is putting on a she's putting on a show. She's got her boss from work. She's got you know she's got somebody else standing there with her. I don't know who it was. 
and I walk through the threshold and there's a table and I can see my brother on the table and he's not in a coffin. He's just on a table and he's got a, um, a blanket draped over him. He's got a pillow underneath him and he's got a lot of makeup on him. Almost to the point where he looks feminine. Like he kind of he resembles my mom, like a lot. And I, and I got, I got, I got my nephew's hand, and uh, we're holding hands. And we're walk, and I was like, I'm getting ready to walk up to him. I'm, I, I take a big deep breath in, and I'm ready just to, you know, give this motherfucker a piece of my mind i walk i walk up there and i say i i tell my nephew i was like hey why don't you go uh go look at those pictures or or go talk to grandma you know i think i got this my husband wasn't next to me you know my my nephew wanders off and i lean into my brother's ear i lean into him and I say, you cocksucking motherfucking piece of shit. Hell yeah. You fucking yeah. did this. You you put I would and I'm not I'm not loud. I'm like anger whispering it into him so he can fucking feel it. Whatever was left there. Whatever, yeah, whatever I needed to get out to him. I was just uh you and I'm not I'm not trying to upset my mom, who's like right there behind yeah. me, crying. And then as soon as as soon as I say, I said something, uh, you know, you goddamn piece of shit. And my my nephew comes up and grabs my hand, and he goes, he goes, Pixie. Well, he doesn't say Pixie; he says my real name. He goes, I like airplanes. I was like, <laughs> I like airplanes too. And I and it kind of stabs me out of it. And I say, let's go talk, let's go talk to grandma. We turn around and we walk up to my mom and she's doing her crying and she's sobbing. And I give her a hug and I say, I say, you know, everything's gonna be okay. And and my sister walks up and she's and my mom's just like the sadness and you know, and I was like, I was like, you need to take time off for yourself you need to take a vacation you need to get your head in order you need to get your life in order and she goes yeah but i gotta work and her boss stepped in and said i've told her to take time off my mom never took time off even even after i told her that i said mom you need to focus on yourself and your yeah. two living children at this point yeah. She still doesn't have communication with me. She still believes that I am I'm the bad guy, which it's cool. I'll be the bad guy. But that part of my story is over. That part of my story mm -hmm. was such a traumatic incident that plagued me for years. That all, pretty much terror, absolute fucking terror from somebody who is blood somebody who's supposed to be your bigger brother somebody that's yeah, supposed exactly. to protect you somebody that's supposed to give a shit and he didn't he was violent angry confused um even when he was not on drugs he was violent and i never understood that i never understood the path that he chose, I could only use it to not go down that path. Absolutely. So, there it is. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, as I said, like, damn. Yeah. There is a chapter two to uh, all of that, where, where I feel like your mom now has placed a, this unfair and unwarranted burden guilt upon you it's it's not my burden of guilt it what what she does and what she says um i take it with a grain of salt i don't 
I don't, it's not me. That's her own personal judgment on me. That is her own personal beliefs. And it has nothing to do with me. Ever since it happened, ever since I was able to cry and get angry and let things go and be able to look at my look at the person who hurt me the most and walk away from him knowing that I'm okay and that I'm stronger than what he had put me through my mom's not a good character either but for for her to put all of that stuff and say it's fine you you can use me as a bad guy but eventually you've got to own up to your own things and she she just She's probably not going to. Um, my brother has been gone for, gosh, three years now. And she still, she doesn't have a connection with me. Yes, I still call my mother. I'm not, I'm not that big of a piece of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, still, I still talk to my sister and to my niece and nephew. And my mom doesn't have a relationship with my children. But that's... That's not my problem. That's her connection mm -hmm. and her issue. So she can take it. She can take it as far as grief will allow her to. And she does. She needs a little bit of help. But if you're just going to go through life blaming somebody else, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard road to struggle through. And, <laughs> and all this went down before. Like right before you started podcasting, or were you already, way before? Uh, yeah, way, that yeah, so. this is about three years ago. Yeah, more than three years ago. Yeah. Do you think that uh, if I may be allowed to call it family drama? Uh, oh, it's total family drama. We I'm are like, the, that's probably understood. <laughs> we are the, <laughs> we are the black sheep of the black sheep of the family. I'm actually sparkly gray, is what I like <laughs> sparkly to say. Sparkly gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, will you say that, that all that you went through, uh, especially around that, that period, was that a catalyst for you to catapult into the world of podcasting? No, way to, hmm. it, it, it had no bearing on podcasting at all. It's, but it did have a bearing on me. Um, it, it. Did, uh, I've been through a lot of trauma and I've been through a lot of things that I should be considering myself as a victim, but I'm not a victim. Uh, maybe a victim of circumstance, but I never want to treat myself in a way that makes me not want to do better for myself or makes me treat others like they're less than or, you know, the world is hard as it is. It doesn't have to be even harder because I make it harder either on myself or others. And that's true. It, it makes me really think that people just need a little bit more kindness. There's nothing I can do for, for my brother. There is nothing I can do for that guy. The only person that I can take care of is myself, my children, my family. And I can also be nice to people that I meet. And that's kind of one of those things. Yeah, I'm bright and cheery and stuff, but mm -hmm. you kind of have to come from a hard background to be compassionate. I, I'm not completely compassionate. There's some things that I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute troll, but this, this is one of those things that, that was hard on me and that, that I understand. And that's why I fight so hard for people to make sure that that they get training with the tools that are available, that they know that that they don't have to go it alone, that they can, you know, e even if you're having a hard day, that there's somebody here in your corner that may or may not understand, but is willing to walk with you. I swear, I'm over here just. <laughs> We haven't gotten this deep, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, hey, huh? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, you, I'm not. You wanted your Mopra moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely my Mopra moment. Uh, I, I'm, I'm over just, we, like, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I yes. keep smoke my, my, my doobie all the way because I'm so enveloped. Because uh, you can hear the growth that you have uh, undergone. Oh, I'm saying that correct. Like you can, you can hear. Uh, I mean, because that's some shit you went through. You know? Like that's some, that's some shit, man. Like, yeah. You, I, I don't have expect every- your own sibling. <laughs> yeah. I have every right to be angry at the world, but it does me no good. It, it, the, the victim, the victim mentality helps no one. And currently my mom has that victim mentality. She works all the time. She doesn't take care of herself. Um, and she, she blames others for things that she could fix stuff that she could do. And I decided that if somebody was going to decide who I am and how I should be in the world, that they may not get as much um, access to me and my bright and bubbly personality. (laughs) (laughs) No, you have to be guarded. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because again, if your own sibling can do that, um, and and like you said, just be, be so fucking demonic about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how can you not be guarded? How, I am very impressed that you don't have the the type of outlook about the world is against me, fuck the world. Well, the, the world doesn't owe me nothing. The only thing I can do is just get out there and like seize it for myself. That's it. That's the only way that I'm ever going to make anything of what has been given to me. And that's probably little to, that's what's been given to me is very, very minute, very little. Because <laughs> this, this isn't the only abuse that I've suffered. So <laughs> it's just a layer of the abuse. Well, of course, if, if, if <laughs> I'm blessed to have a part two with you that to have certainly uh Maybe, maybe, uh, perhaps. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll perhaps. talk about it. Uh, I, I, I think you're going to have to see if uh, your listeners are going to want more. Because yeah. uh, eventually, this story and some of the other stuff that I tell, I'm going to write a book about all of this. And it's going to be a pretty big chapter in the book that I write. So now, Pixie... Pixie nowadays, Pixie, uh, the last two years. (laughs) Nowadays, I've just been podcasting. I retired from stripping. Um, I have wonderful, beautiful children. I have a fantastic husband who cares deeply for me. And I'm just kind of trying to figure out life and what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) And it might be podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it might be a podcast. Maybe. Maybe. I love that. If, 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 if you could write, I guess, your own legacy, which, I mean, can't. So, let me rephrase, in writing your own legacy, uh, what, what will people say at the end of your work journey? That I was kind. And kind of funny, like like a morbid funny, like a ooh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, I like to think of myself funnier than I actually am, but it, it does take it does take a little bit of trauma to get to that level of funny. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely that I, does. That I, yeah, basically that I was a good human being, you know. I'm just not weird. I really am amazed by your growth, like, because uh, it's not that long ago that you went through what you went through. So, right, um, I'm, I'm still kind of marvelled over you, like, shit. Uh, but regarding the podcast and, and regarding Twitter Spaces, uh, I need you to let my listeners certainly know. Uh, then, just to remind any other of your followers, your supporters, your listeners, know. Uh, where they can actually find both your podcasts. Well, on my main podcast, Next on Stage One, you can find it everywhere. I am a social media menace, 
And I decided that if somebody wanted to listen to my podcast usually doesn't get this deep. It's usually, <clears throat> it usually gets, uh, it gets kind of deep, but not like this kind of deep. I do tell the other story, how my other tooth got knocked out. Um, and that was, that was a little bit of a bad part on, on me, but that story is also a very interesting one. And if you, if you're into knowing things behind the curtain, knowing what makes an, an adult dancer tick, and you want to know more about me and my co-host, Mr. J, I would definitely type it into Google next on stage one. You can even type in next on stage one pixie. And there's so much stuff about me that comes up about podcasting. And that's probably the best way to find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my co-host runs a Facebook group. So I'm probably there as well. But those are the best ways to reach me. My other podcast I started is called Project Podcast with Pixie. And it's where I help people learn how to podcast, learn how to market, learn how to do some of the crazy things that I've done with, with no barrier to entry. Like, you don't have to have a phone. You don't have to have a whole bunch of followers to have a good time podcasting. And I think that's where we really connected was Twitter space and uh, just asking questions between the two of us. Indeed, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. That, uh, that was our bonding platform. Um, yes. Platform like that allowed you and I to, to just really form a genuine relationship. Uh, but for me, definitely pick your brain and learn because that Twitter space is a different dynamic in itself. Uh, you're definitely live and mm -hmm. you don't really have room for errors. Uh, don't have room for not being attentive that all the things that you really probably kind of slack off with your recording as a podcaster. But when you're live and you're hosting Twitter space, yeah, like I, at first I was very, very nervous. And hearing you, I was like, shit. Now, uh, hearing Postaline as well, shout out to him. Oh yeah, Postaline's uh, good. I, I think I think that that goes to say the power of connection and and what you're doing with the Crow Show and the family and just having these deeper connections, people want to get to know you, Torch. People want to hear what you have to say. And, I, and that's really what draw me in with you and just being able to, I get, at first I was helping you out and now I'm calling you for issues that I'm having. And, and now it's no longer, you know, it's not one-sided, it's it's a give and take a as time. a, yeah, as a friendship. I consider you my friend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, definitely, I definitely consider you my Definitely. I wouldn't think of you as any other, you know, like, hell yeah, you're my own girl. Damn right. Um, yeah. But it is awesome that, you know, now you can pick my brain as well. Um, and, and that's the way I think it should be with, with growth comes into play for, for two great people, you know, who are great at what they do. You know, being a spicy content creator, uh, Lord knows if I tried, I think it would be like the Carlton Banks version of <laughs> spicy content. <laughs> yeah. Um, My co looks like Steve Urkel, so yeah, I get that reference. <laughs> he doesn't sound like him. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Day. Uh, he doesn't sound like him. Uh, and being Steve Urkel. Uh, but like, you know, I, I feel like that's certainly your niche. And, and to hear you certainly speak about my niche where, you know, I, I love, I love just being very transparent and having these type of conversations because uh, it allows people to really connect on that other level that a lot of us don't necessarily want to open up and just freely give that information per se. Um, you know, I know I'm a little picky as well with that. So it's like, I, I think it's a little bit easier if I could metaphorically have people up and share sit down uh, just have a conversation you know uh, and, I, and I like it to go unscripted this was definitely unscripted I should <laughs> take a picture of the questions I, I have and none of them I think I've even asked except for the legacy uh, 
but this is what I love. You know, this is what I've missed. And there's no better way for me to uh, spark back up or, or Um, yeah rejuvenate honestly questions are just there in case the conversation gets dull Mm. (laughs) so you only using one of the questions from your list of questions means that i probably have to come back for a part two yeah i hope (laughs) listeners love that (laughs) i know i can do because i'm like yes i need to really really Pick your brain, but I mean, shit, hearing what you went through, I, I really was like, dude, that hell with all these other questions. I, ah, that was just I need a that chapter, Torch. You know, it's just like you. There's so many layers to individuals, and we should be mindful of what they're going through and understand, you know, that we don't know the experiences somebody else has had. So for you to, you know, take the crow show and and be Torch the Poet and, and pull back the layers and have your Mopra moments with people, that's good quality content. That's what that's what I come here for. That's what you come here for. And I think that's that's probably why people listen. I hope not. All I can really say is uh, thank you so much. Uh, because, I mean, you're right. Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm always the type of person. Why? Why? I used to get fucking snapped off by my mom for always asking why. Like it is what I what it is because I sacred it. And shut up asking why. But like to fast forward to now, um, as an adult, like yeah, you know, as a as a podcaster, absolutely. You know, uh, I always want to know why. Uh, I think it's important. You know, I think it's necessary. I think it's relevant. A lot of times, um, our transparencies, you know, they'll, they'll get lost within even ourselves when we're, when we're podcasting, you know. Um, and as you mentioned, heck, you don't really get a chance to be on the other end like this, where it's like, oh, let's, let's, let's chat about it. You know, that's, that doesn't always happen like that. I mean, on the phone, you and I always. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I poured out my heart to you what I was going through months ago and you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I'm so thankful to, to have you. Uh, well, I'm like thankful said, to have you as first. a friend as well. So well, it's, it it's is mu- it's mutual, all right? <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> and, and I'm glad that, that you're taking the opportunity to utilize spaces to make more connections with people. And the spaces that you do hold for people that don't know, um, you are holding some fantastic, thought-provoking spaces. Not just uh, not just your your average thought-provoking spaces, but nerd spaces that made people sit down and have conversations with each other without all the political bullshit and the you know it it was it's a good time because you brought us together. Doing doing what I'm supposed to do is a conduit. That's right. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to close it out by, by asking if you could please let people know that they can find you on social media. Help them, help. Say that one more time. That you can let, let the listeners know your, uh, I guess it's what, what these youngins call it, your tag uh, oh. on social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so old. Um, it's at next on stage one, and then Pixie is, well, that's me. Um, at Next on Stage One on Twitter, um, on Instagram, on Facebook. Like I said, if you just typed in Next on Stage One and added Pixie to it, you'll find me because I'm a social media menace. <laughs> and listeners, uh, please comment, say that y'all want part two because it's a must. She dropped gems, transparency within this one. This was a great solar kickoff. We get back to the swing of things. Come next month, we'll be officially three years. Uh, nonetheless, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, that's Torch Poet, or at Torch the Poet on Twitter. And then Instagram, it's at The Crow Show, but you got the dots in, t- in between the C, the R, the O, the W. Uh, or 
just go on Google and type Twitch the Poet. I found out that I'm number one, like that small little tiny this story, everyone that makes I like to say often, my Twitter spaces, please remember to put a smile on someone's face today. Tomorrow we'll start with your own Pixie. Blessings to you. Again, thank you for accepting the invitation or just being an awesome friend. Well, thank you, Tori. Keep Tor. doing your thing. I'll keep doing your thing. Other than that, have a wonderful night. You too. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get cracking on it now. I ain't <laughs> <much> around. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Torch. Bye.